Good morning, everyone. Kevin here from Skywatcher, and welcome to another What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, the last episode of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. And it's not that uh, day. It's the first of the month. Happy April to everyone. Um, so today we're going to be checking out what's up in the nighttime sky for the month of April. Uh, so there's, we are getting into that galaxy season. So there's all kinds of cool stuff uh, to go out and view. Um, if you like what you see here at the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It lets us know we're doing a good job and that we should keep going forward on this in the future. Uh, and to do that, you can just go to our website, skywatcherusa.com. Go up to the top and hit subscribe and save. So that's how you do that. Of course, if you want to pick up any Skywatcher swag, we do have the thread, the skywatcher.threadless.com store. We've got all kinds of cool shirts, uh, shoes, pants. I mean, it's uh, there's a bunch of stuff in there. So go ahead, check that out. Uh, that is the skywatcher.threadless.com store. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff in there to check out. Um, if you're looking for something to match your equipment or just kind of want a cool shirt to check out. Now, um, I told you guys earlier this year we have all kinds of crazy stuff coming out um, and all kinds of announcements. So today is no different except this was a last minute announcement. It's been in the works for a little while, um, but we thought it would just be cool to kind of throw it in there. Um, so I am doing a new product announcement today. I hope you guys are excited about that. I just want to go over some of the details really quick and then we'll get into our scheduled broadcast. But um, we weren't sure if this is going to make the cut, but now it's finally here. So I'd like to introduce to all of you for the first time the Esprit 200 EDT triplet. It's a massive eight inch apo refractor it's the biggest apo we've ever done um it's a 200 millimeter eight inch triplet f8 which is 1600 millimeters it has dual ed elements in its objective fully collimatable um it has a massive four inch uh focuser dual speed rack and pinion 102 millimeter diameter focuser uh it has an included flattener with a ginormous 80 millimeter uh image circle completely flat field for the largest sensors on the market uh, we do have a matched optional 0.77 x reducer which brings the entire telescope down to f 6.2 and with the reducer there it is a 50 millimeter image circle which means it can handle even the mo the monster 16803 uh cameras as well as a uh 6200 uh, sensor fully illuminated image circle for those massive uh, chips that are on the market and the entire thing weighs 50 pounds and it's all for a small price of 9.99.9 so 10 grand will get you an 8 inch triplet and it also comes with a free cutout of me full life-size um figure of yours truly it come with every eight inch and of course that is a great way to start the day so happy april fools um that would be kind of cool though if we did an eight inch refractor it'd be a really big eight inch it'd be a really really big refractor um going back really quick 
Um, this on um, this right here is actually real. Um, this is what we call flat Kevin. Um, this was made by the Jen over at Daystar Filters. I wasn't able to go to the Winter Star party, and for some reason they thought it'd be really funny to take a life-size cardboard cutout of me to the Star party and drag me around. So, for the record, I've never been to Winter Star party. I'd love to go, but apparently my flat self has been there. So, sorry, the refractor isn't real, but this unfortunately is. So... Anyway, moving on. Happy April Fools. Happy April. Um, we'll see if we make an 8-inch refractor in the future. But for now, all we have is our Esprit 150 and Evo Star 150s. They're big enough, quite honestly. So, with that being said, let's get started with the What's Up webcast for uh, this month. Let's start off with the moon. Um, we have two new moons this year. Or this year. Uh, this month, uh, we have, so that's a lot of dark sky viewing, which is great for galaxy season. Uh, the first one is this weekend, the second and the third, um, tonight as well. So you can actually go out, um, get some really good views tonight, uh, of any of the last little bits of the winter sky, as well as all the coming and rising, uh, galaxies. So if you want to get out this weekend, uh, is the night or uh, is the weekend to do it or the end of the month uh actually moving into the first of may uh that is the second star party uh star party man i am all over the map today um too many jokes in the head um uh, the 30th and the first of may so the last weekend of the month and the first weekend of the month is dark skies which actually means there's a black moon Ooh, well it means there's two new moons in a, in a month. So, marketing speak. Anyway, so two new moons this month. So, it gives you two chances to get out and do some dark sky observing. Um, that is not a joke. There's actually two new moons this month. Uh, the full moon for April this year is April 16th. And that is the pink moon, not the pick moon. Sorry. Uh, pink moon. Um, the... The full moon gets its name for this pink flower um, that blooms this time of year. They call it pink moss, um, and it's all over the place in certain parts of the country, and that is why it's called the pink moon, not the pick moon. Um, I guess you could pick to observe it if you wanted to, or you could go pick some of the flowers to make it more on par with uh, the pink moon. But anyway, that's the full moon for the month, April 16th. Um, Go out, check it out. Sure, it'll be really bright. It won't be pink, but if you are doing a star party for somebody and it's a full moon, maybe put like a color filter in there and make it festive. Planets. Uh, all the planets right now are in the morning, except Uranus, which could be once again made into a really obnoxious joke. I've had people ask how we afford certain equipment. I tell them a dollar for every time I've ever heard a Uranus joke. Ta-da. But yes, Uranus is the only planet up in the evening right now. Uh, let's go over to Stellarium. It's hanging out here in the west. There it is right there. Really low um, right now. It's not really in a good position to even observe it at this point. You could probably grab it if you wanted to, but it's right at the edge of, of the season. So good luck if you want to do it. However... 
if you are a planet uh, person interested in planets, let's fast forward to the early morning hours. Um, there is a big old conjunction of planets happening in the morning right now, and it's probably going to be that way for a little while. But we have Venus, Saturn, and Mars all kind of chilling out there in the early morning hours, uh, just before dawn, like 5 a.m. Um, so that's really kind of a cool uh, photo op there, if uh, that's what you're looking for. And they're going to be hanging out there probably the next few days. Um, Venus uh, obviously will be moving away but we're going to have Saturn and Mars actually making their uh, very, very close approach to one another in the morning. They're probably on the 5th, and the 4th and the 5th will be the closest approach there. But very cool conjunction in the very early morning hours. You have Mars and Saturn hanging out. Um, that's on the 4th and the 5th, um, where they're the closest approach, and then Mars will kind of stretch itself out. Um, so you got this nice string of planets, even Jupiter hanging out over there on the 14th of so Jupiter, Venus, Mars, Saturn, all kind of strung right there in the early morning hours. So if you're into planets, unfortunately, you have to get up really early in the morning right now. Um, but that's where they're hanging out. So and then we have another conjunction right here. This one will be really nice. You have a really thin crescent moon, Jupiter and Venus hanging out. That's on the 27th of April right there. Uh, but yeah, all the planet action is happening in the morning. Um, so that's completely up to you if you want to get up that early or stay up. Whatever your pick your poison. Let me rewind this. Boop, boop. There we go. Yeah, we'll leave that up there. Anyway, boop. There we go. So yeah, right now in the evening, all we have is a planet Uranus. Um, there's plenty of cool things going on, however, in the morning. If you are looking for planets, uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, the sun. Um, like I say, every month I don't change these slides. Uh, we're increasing in activity. Um, the sun did release an X-class flare uh, a day or two ago. Maybe yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday. Um, but if you have a hydrogen alpha filter, the sun right now is absolutely on fire. And I, that's not literal, but I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going up on the sun right now. You've got filaments, sunspots, active regions, you know, prominences, all kinds of crazy stuff to go out and observe. So if you have an H alpha telescope, you need to get out there and start observing it. Um, I should backtrack real quick. Before you ever observe the sun, please make sure you're using the proper equipment so you do not damage or hurt your eyes. Um, there are all kinds of nice filters on the market to check out. Um, we are act we actually did uh, two videos a couple years ago on the What's Up webcast talking about the sun um, and all the filters and stuff. So if you need to learn about that or want to get involved with that, go back, check out those episodes to learn how to be safe and what kind of filters are available. And if you already have that, congratulations to you. Get out there and start observing it. I should probably do that too and at least go take a look at it for a little bit. But the sun is really starting to kick it up as, in, as far as action goes. There's a, a recent shot. You can see there's all kinds of amazing things going on. So if you're into the sun um, and doing some imaging, now is the time to start getting out there because all kinds of detail is up there. Today looks amazing. Uh, to observe the sun because basically every detail that you'd want to see on the sun is up there um, So yeah, get out there do some do some solar imaging uh, pretty cool stuff going on there with the sun um, 
it's it's finally kicking up a notch meteor showers now the last couple months has been kind of a dry spell um you know there wasn't anything going on in february there wasn't really much going on in march however april kind of makes up for that because we have two meteor showers this month first one is the Le- uh, lyrid meteor shower that's april 21st and 22nd is the peak um it does start i think right around the 15th effectively uh but the peak is the 21st and the 22nd we are going to have a bright moon um, in the early hours of the morning, which is generally the best time to observe a meteor shower. So the Lyrids this month are not really in a good spot. Um, however, the second one, which is the Eta Aquarids on May 4th and 5th, is much better uh, timed this year. Um, we're talking about 10 to 30 meteors per hour. Um, so that'll be a much better... Excuse me. Much better placed meteor shower um, just after full moon or new moon, uh, that second new moon of the month. So just after that, we'll have a thin crescent moon around that time. But by the time it's ideal to get out and observe a meteor shower, which is after midnight, um, the moon will be well out of the sky, making it a great time to go out and view a meteor shower. So get out there, maybe go out and do some pictures with a wide angle lens and see what you can catch. But Yes, that is the two meteor showers we have for the month. And uh, good luck getting out there and observing it. Uh, comets. Comets, you know, there's always something going on in the world of comets. Um, I haven't been able to get out and really take a look at it, but I like to go to cometchasing.skyhound.com and uh, see what's going on there. Um, there's a pretty wide selection of uh, comets that are up at the moment. And this website does a really nice job at helping you find where that's going to be. A lot of these, however, are fairly faint. Um, every single one of these are going to be a telescopic object, so there's no you know, naked eye or big binocular comets currently available. But you never know when one of these is going to flare up. So C2019 L3 Atlas, um, looks that's up in Gemini, so that's very well placed right after sunset, nice and high in the sky. Uh, let's go to the finder chart. This is another reason why it's really nice on this website because they have these really nice charts. All of this you can also look at probably up in Sky Safari if you're looking for something more convenient, but uh, they have these really nice charts to go out and try to find the comet. And they're broken up by uh, dates and stuff like that. Uh, but this is up in Gemini, 9.7 magnitude. So, you know, six inch telescope should be able to knock that one out. Uh, you still have 19p uh, Borelli that's hanging out at 19 point. Or I'm sorry, 9.8. So a little bit fainter. Um, this is up in Perseus, so that's kind of you want to grab that one early in the evening. It is setting um, not long after sunset for Perseus, depending on how far north you are. Um, and then there's more comets that are up right now. Progressively gets fainter and fainter. So you'll. If you're into comets, this is a fun website to come to because it's going to show you where to go and how faint of an object it is. But, um, you know, some of these would be kind of a fun challenge if you're going out like this weekend. If you're going to a dark sky site, maybe you've got some aperture or you got a nice imaging system and you want something a little different off the beaten path. These are all kind of fun things that you can go around and try to see if you can capture them. And we'll see if there's any... Uh, flare-ups you know it'd be it's always cool to get a really bright comet but those are usually few and far between 
but there is always a comet to see at some point. So uh, go out there, check it out. If you want to know where that's at, cometchasing.skyhound.com is the website I like to use, and it gives you a lot of great information. So that's pretty much it for comets. As far as the solar system is going, there's not a lot going on. We're not in planet season right now. A lot of that's going to be in the summer, probably closer to, you know, June-ish, late June. Um, midsummer, we start to get the planets and then we move into autumn. Um, we'll get some stuff like that, but, um, not a lot going on for the solar system. However, the sun is starting to kick back up. Um, everything, however, is about deep sky, uh, this time of year. And, uh, that's because things are changing. We are officially in spring. However, there are still some of those favorites floating out there, uh, to check out. Of course, M42, is a staple for the winter it's still hanging up there uh, in the constellation of orion just after sunset in the west um you don't have a lot of time on it there's just like a couple hours before it gets too low for you to catch but it's still in a spot where you could in an early evening uh get out there and go observe it um, it's great from a backyard. Almost any aperture telescope is going to do a nice job on it it's a nice tell uh, it's a nice object to use various filters on for visual um, it is a cool object for that because you can also learn how different filters affect a nebula differently. So it's a fun one to experiment on. And then, of course, for the imaging crowd, you can really image uh, M42 anytime. Um, you can do it in the backyard with a one-shot color and a light pollution filter. It turns out okay. A dark sky, of course, is never a problem. Um, monochrome does well. You can do amazing work in narrowband. Um, but there's all kinds of dust and detail. But right now, um, we're at the very end of the season for M42 um, and its companion, the Running Man. So if you want to get out and get a shot of it, you really have very limited time to catch it right now because it's not going to be out much longer uh, for the season. Now, that also goes for the same uh, for its next-door neighbor, the Horsehead and Flame Nebula. That's by the bright star Alnatak, which is in the belt of the constellation of Orion right there. Um, so you can see they're hanging out up there, you know, just after dark, you could probably get a telescope on it and observe it. We were looking at the horse head a couple weeks ago. Um, and you know, it, it was doable, uh, depending on what size scope you've got in the skies, but it's, it's there. But, um, as you can see, um, at, whoops, jumped too far. Um, as you can see, by the time we start to get into, you know, the middle of the month, you know, Orion's done. And that's pretty much marks the end for any of the major winter objects uh, right there. So if you want to get out and start observing uh, that, you have a very, you know, the next couple days is all you've really got uh, to get out there. So... Uh, that's the horse head as well. Those are still floating up there. So go out. Uh, this new moon would, is going to be the last new moon for you to get out and observe a lot of these objects under dark skies. So go ahead, get it out there um, and get one more shot. Uh, just above that in the constellation of Gemini, we have the Eskimo Nebula in about 5,000 light years away. This is a fun one in town. Um, a six inch telescope can do it. It looks like a little puffed up star that's actually what it is um but a little cloud um o3 and uhc filters do a very nice job it's very small however so you 
can add some magnification to it um, if you need to to pop it out a little bit more um, imaging these are more challenging than I think people think they are when it comes to a planetary nebula and it's because they are so small um, and they're dense so they're not faint um, let me blow this up real quick uh, there it is these nebulas are not faint, particularly. Um, because they're so dense, uh, it can be difficult to actually get a really nice image of most of these planetary nebulas. You kind of have to be careful when you're doing it. You're not going to go in with these you know, extremely long exposures. You'd probably do better with a bunch of short exposures um, because it's very small and very bright um, in contrast to some of the more expansive uh, nebulas out there. So go out, check that out. But that's the Eskimo Nebula. It's a really cool one to see. It's still well positioned. So you got a couple hours um, after dark before that goes um, below the horizon. It's kind of sitting right up in here, um, up in Gemini. I don't know if I can find it at the moment just off the cuff here. But um, it's right up in here in the constellation of Gemini. And you can still grab that in a six-inch telescope. It'd be a great one if you're going out for a new moon star party this weekend. Um, it's a nice, it's a well-positioned object to catch. Um, but again, um, actually by the end of the month, it's still going to be fairly doable um, up until, we'll probably have that until about mid-May for Gemini. So Gemini is still hanging in there, but a lot of the other constellations for the winter are pretty much um, going to be done by the end of the month. But Gemini will be hanging out there. It's kind of the last hurrah of the winter constellations um, that go under the horizon. But uh, that is the Eskimo Nebula. Uh, and if you have a large enough telescope or high enough magnification, you can actually see the internal bubble plus the central star and the outer shell. So don't be afraid to put magnification on it. Don't be afraid to try different filters. Um, there's all kinds of cool things you can see. And then, of course, the larger the telescope... Um, and the better the seeing, the more magnification, the more detail that you can pop out. Another planetary, a lot, a little bit more difficult planetary, and also a much larger planetary, not too far from where the Eskimo hangs out in the constellation of Lynx, is Jones Emerson One, um, or the Headphone Nebula. It's a sixteen hundred light years away, doable in dark sky sights. It's definitely an off the beaten path object. I've seen it in an eighteen inch telescope. It's it almost looks like that. It's it's kind of neat to actually see it because it does have, you know, this large structure to it. Um, this is a hydrogen alpha shot uh, for narrowband, but you could do a nice one-shot color. It's very similar to doing something like the Helix Nebula. It's just got a bit more structure to it. I do believe it has a larger uh, hydrogen outer shell a little bit more, so try messing with that. But that's a cool nebula to go check out. Um that is definitely off the beaten path again that's jones emberson one um, if you want to go look at that uh, that takes a little bit more aperture i'd probably say at least a 10 inch if you want to seriously go after it but if you've got friends that have some seriously large telescopes make sure they track that one down for you to go check it out so that's a cool nebula it's also a really fun one to image it's just a lot larger planetary than most and it's got some good structure in it so it's a fun one now, now that we're into springtime, however, all the pretty nebulas are, are pretty much going to go away for a, a few months, or at least until later in the evening. Um, but 
definitely we are now getting into galaxy season and with that we have the constellations of let me get oriented here we have ursa major this is also way later in the month so, do, 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 there we go uh we have ursa major rising nice and high uh, just after sunset, we have the constellation of Virgo, Corvus, Leo, uh, Leo Minor, um, you know, all these major areas right here because we're no longer looking along the plane of the galaxy. We're looking out from the galaxy. So now we're looking way out into space there, um, intergalactic at this point. And this is where it's a great time to have that aperture in dark skies to go hunt down some galaxies and there's a lot of them out there we're going to touch on a little a uh, handful of them today but as we move into may where it's you know full-on galaxy season most of what we'll talk about as far as deep sky next month is going to be galaxies but this is just kind of a spread of some of the bright easy ones that you can catch right now and the first one is m101 uh, that's up in the arm of the big dipper or some major it's about 21 million light years away now, it is a Messier object, and some of you may have gone out this previous month and done a Messier marathon and caught however many. Congratulations if you got the majority of them. Um, M101 is a fairly large face-on spiral galaxy with these you know, magnificent arms that just go out in a lot of little star-forming regions. So, uh, but with that said... A lot of people assume because it is a Messier, it's fairly easy. And it's not a difficult galaxy by any means. But to be able to get the arms in this galaxy does require some good skies. It's not a particularly easy object to get in the city. Um, this does, as with everything, it does better under dark skies. But the this, it's very... It's fairly faint and extended for this. It's much like M33 um, is in the wintertime. You know, a lot of people see that it's there, not far from Andromeda, and then they go get it, and it's a lot more diffuse than they expect it. So M101 is very similar to that. The outer arms are very diffuse. Um, so having a decent amount of aperture to back you up will do wonders for you, as well as dark skies. And with galaxies, there's nothing as far as filters that you can really do. I mean, you could use like a light pollution filter to maybe pop the contrast out if you're in a less than ideal sky. But that's really just to make the background darker. But there's nothing that really does it for the galaxy itself. Not like, you know, an O3 or a UHC does for like an emission nebula. Um, as far as imaging, it's not that difficult for imaging. Um, in town, it can be a little bit difficult, especially for like a one shot color camera, because you do have to deal with gradients a lot of the time, um, when you're in, in town and because the arms of the galaxy are fairly diffuse, um, it can make handling that effectively kind of difficult. So dark skies help. Um, and if you are doing narrow or, uh, if you do have a monochrome camera, don't be afraid to put that hydrogen alpha filter in there. And pop out some of those star forming regions it does some really uh there's some really nice detail hiding in the arms there with the um h alpha filter that helped pop that out another one just a little bit further up uh the big dipper but technically in the next door constellation of canis venactices is the famous whirlpool galaxy or m51 this is a this is a must if you're going to a dark sky site this time of year, especially if you're going to be staying out there until, you know, midnight or so. Um, 
this one you can actually do from your backyard for the most part, uh, but you're only going to see the glowing cores of the two galaxies. You're not going to get much of a spiral uh, galaxy. But in moderately dark skies, you know, nothing that's crazy dark, you can actually see it as a whirlpool-looking uh, galaxy in a 6 or 8-inch telescope. Of course, the larger the instrument is, the more detail and the more defined it's going to get especially with its companion galaxy out here in the dust and the bridge uh, between the galaxy. There's a lot of detail that you can start to see there in darker skies and in larger aperture telescopes. Now, in town, it's also one of those galaxies that are not too tremendously difficult. This one's a little bit more condensed compared to M101, so it does a little bit easier processing if you're dealing with a gradient. If you're looking for that faint dust that's coming off the companion, that might be a little harder to obtain. And in town, of course, dark skies help. But as with M101, uh, this has a fair amount of star forming regions in it. So that H alpha filter can help pop out that detail a little bit more. But uh, that is M51 right there. Uh, probably one of the most observed galaxies uh, this time of year. It's, it's a fantastic galaxy. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go to a dark sky event and you have a chance to use like a 20 inch or plus or half meter for everybody else around the world or larger instrument on this thing, it's awesome. It looks just like the picture does just without the color. So try it out. Um, another one that's up right now and uh, uh, Ursa Major um, is M106, uh, 25 million light years away. This one can be done in moderate skies. Of Dark skies are going to be better for everything. There's no argument with that. Um, as of course, Aperture does as well. Um, so for visual, you could probably track it down in town. It's just see a little faint fuzzy, depending on how bad the skies are where you're at. But of course, anything darker is going to help. And larger Aperture um, is always going to help. But there's also a lot of galaxies in the M106 region. Um so be prepared if you're observing up there or imaging that you're going to get a lot of extra stuff inside the field. It's a very cool galaxy region. Um, here's the luminance shot of that. There's amazing detail inside of here. Um, there's a lot of detail in the core of this galaxy. So if you are trying to image the galaxy, be sure to maybe do shorter exposures or learn how to handle the brighter core of the galaxy to make sure you get a lot of this dark internal structure. And then if you have the capability of doing monochrome work with narrowband filters, um, because of the black hole that's in the middle of M106, it's actually whipping up material um, with these and they, they're red arms inside the galaxy. And the hydrogen alpha uh, filter really pops this detail out. So I highly recommend if you're imaging M106 and you do have a, a narrowband set as well as a monochrome camera, make sure to pop the hydrogen alpha filter in the in the light path and spend a couple hours capturing data because there's some really cool structures that are unique to m106 that come out with that hydrogen alpha filter so highly recommend that um, if you're going to spend the time on m106 it's one of my favorite galaxies in the messier catalog because there's just so many cool things going on with it of course the other two um in ursa major are m81 and m82 they're kind of the companions up there this is a very complex area of the sky um, especially with modern cameras these are 12 million light years away 
They are easy in a backyard telescope. A six inch telescope will easily take down both of these, probably even in the same field of view. Um, they're just going to look like little faint fuzzies. But if you get to a really dark sky, you can start to see that spiral detail in M10, um, M81. It's phenomenal to actually see it because it actually looks like the galaxy in the picture there. Um, I remember in my 16-inch Dobsonian several years ago, we were doing an event for a scout group. Very, very dark site up in northern Arizona. And I put it on there and it looked just like the picture. It was nuts. You could see all the spiral arms in there. It was very, very cool to see. Um, M82 right next door, the cigar galaxy is a little bit more difficult. Um, that red detail really doesn't come out visually, um, even in a large aperture instrument. However, um, when you get to that 20 plus inch, I know some of you are aware I just finished my 28 inch. Uh, this has been an object we've been looking at, um, a couple times in there. And what's cool is where the red detail actually crosses the galaxy itself and has the dark structuring, we can see that in the 28 inch telescope, um, as well as larger Dobsonian telescopes are gonna show you that. So very, very cool uh, galaxy to see. Now for the imagers out there, um, obviously you have the M10, M81 galaxy, um, you have M82, M82 has this really complex red region coming off the galaxy and that's pretty cool to actually see if you have a chance and that really becomes defined with that hydrogen alpha filter again so even though narrow band is really intended for uh, nebulas don't be afraid to pop that h alpha filter in there to add some pop uh, for your galaxy shots and then up there in this region we have the ifn nebula the integrated flux nebula which is all this wispy cirrus like cloud uh floating around there and there's a lot of this across the sky but particularly there's a lot up in ursa major this is extraordinarily difficult to see visually you'd have to be under ideal conditions and really know what you're looking for um i kind of throw it more into the imaging capability especially with modern cameras um, modern cameras, like anything with the 455 sensor, like the 6200 or QHY 600s, um, or the 2600s with the IMX 571 sensor, all these cameras with these really high QEs and low noise, it's easy to pop this kind of detail out, especially under ideal skies. Um, and you see how obvious this nebula actually is. So that's a very cool uh, thing about these galaxies in this region. A good luminance channel will really pop this out for a monochrome imager. Um, but even the color variants of these cameras will be able to pull that detail out um, without much issue. So go out, try it out, give it a go. Especially this weekend, these will be a great uh, object to shoot almost all night because by the time they're rising... Right now, you can get pretty much the entire night on it. Uh, next up, we've got the Leo triplet. Uh, three galaxies all together. Now, these vary in distances um, and what you're able to see. Um, from a backyard, you'd probably be able to get the two Messier galaxies, which are on the right, M65 and M66. I'll break those down in a minute. 
Um, and then the NGC galaxy to the left in the image is much more difficult to do from in town. But in dark skies in a moderate telescope, like a 6-inch, 150-millimeter aperture telescope, all three should be doable. Um, but in a larger instrument, obviously, more detail is there. For imaging, however, it's not a very difficult target to do. Um, they're also fairly dense. There's not a lot of wispy detail, except for the NGC galaxy, which has this very long tail, but that's very hard to get. Um, unless you're under dark skies, um, you can get a nice image from these from the backyard. And uh, here's a bigger shot. And then the breakdown, we have M65, 66, and NGC, um, I'm sorry, 3628. Um, so that is the Leo trio. But M65 and M66 are fairly easy to get um, from a backyard for the most part. They're just little faint gray fuzzes, but they're they're doable. Um, but NGC 3628 will be harder. And then if you're going out for the tail of 3628, very long, very deep exposures, uh, lots of exposure time to bring that out. Um, you can kind of see it starting to come out here, but it actually goes quite a distance away from the galaxy, um, at that point. So yeah, that is uh, the Leo triplet there. That's a fantastic, uh, galaxy trio. If you're in a dark sky, it's, it's pretty cool to see all of those in there. So, uh, that pretty much does it for today's, uh, webcast. Um, if you guys have any questions, uh, or you have an idea for a future episode, go to info at skywatcherusa.com, uh, title it. What's up. We're always looking for ideas. If you have sent an idea in, um, it does take some time for us to build episodes and schedule things. So just because it's not the following week, don't, don't take it as we're not using your idea or going to cover that topic. It's just we need to make sure where it fits in with the schedule. And we usually build them out by quarters. Um, so, yeah. Now, if you do like what you see here, please leave a like on a video. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys hanging out with here uh, with us as well. Um, and it's just a lot of fun having you guys on here. Now, we're not done. And everything after this is going to be more of just announcements because they're other than the joke we had at the beginning of the episode, um, there actually is stuff being announced and there's a lot of big things happening next week and the week after. So I'm going to take just a little bit to tell you guys what's going on with that. Um, again, if you guys want to uh, pick up some swag from us, you can always go to the Threadless uh, store, pick up some shirts, all kinds of fun stuff there. That's skywatcher.threadless.com if you're looking to pick up any kind of swag to match your gear. Now... Next week is the biggest webcast we have ever done. It's been a couple months in the planning, um, and there's a lot of things going on. So next week, this is next Friday, is the What's Up webcast, Webcast-a-thon Extreme. This goes from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific all day long it's gonna be a long day packed with a bunch of stuff um i'm gonna go to full screen too so you guys can kind of see the details that i've got in here so the way this is gonna work is we have a schedule here's the uh most recent schedule of what's gonna go on so um we are going to be joined by several friends of ours um, from various companies um most of these have been pre-recorded. They're going to be about 15 to 20 minute segments uh, for each vendor to talk about what's cool and what's going on with them. 
so 10 a.m. we're going to have introduction. That will actually be live with me. So we'll just talk and hang out for about 15 minutes. I'll let you know what the lay of the land is going to be like for the day. After that, at 10.20 a.m., we have the Planetary Society. Uh, that video uh, is awesome. All these are pre-recorded for the most part, um, just because of scheduling and difficulties and stuff like that. Um, we also have this in our blog if you want to know more details, but we've got some time to cover it. So, uh, 10.20 a.m., we got the Planetary Society. 10.40 a.m., we have Mount Lemon Sky Center. And then right after that, we have a panel. We have four panels scheduled for the day. These will be one-hour live panels. Um, so our first one at 11 a.m. is Astronomy 101. This is with Stephen Ramsden. Uh, our ambassador is Helena. Uh, I'm going to butcher her last name, and I apologize. Uh, Cochran and Fiona Morris. Those are two of our newest ambassadors. Um, they'll be talking about getting started in astronomy. Um, that is a live one hour panel, uh, followed by, uh, three more pre-recorded sessions, uh, skies away remote Fuji film and Daystar filters. Uh, then at 1 PM, we have our social media panel with Trevor Jones of Astro backyard, Nico Carver of Nebula photos and Kalpana pot of Griffith observatory. Um, will be hanging out with us. That's another hour long live session. Uh, following that, we've got three more pre-recorded. Um, we have Lowell Observatory, Stellar View, and Los Mondi. And then at 3 p.m., we have our optics panel. This one should be pretty cool, especially if you're really into optics. We'll have uh, world-renowned uh, mirror optician Mike Lockwood and Vic Maris of Stellar View is going to be hanging out with us. That's a one-hour uh, live uh, panel. And following that, we have Prima Lucha Labs in Star Arizona, the last two pre-recorded sessions. And then finally, at 4.40 p.m., we're doing an imaging panel, and we're doing with Richard Wright, uh, Ron Brecher, and Bob Moore. If you're not familiar with them, you should be. Um, Bob Moore is actually the one that runs NIAC. Um, so all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, that will be a one-hour live imaging session followed by our conclusion for the whole stream. And, of course, then at 8 p.m., you can come hang out with me um, at Focus Astronomy's YouTube channel where we're going to do a live virtual star party um, for wrapping up the evening. And that, of course, is uh, weather permitting. So um, all of this is subject to change just in case, but most of this is all locked in. Um, so that will be awesome to hang in there. And at the end of every panel, we're going to give something away. So we've got some door prizes that we're going to give away at the end of each panel. Um, we'll work on the details for that as well. And uh, be uh, happy to uh, have all of you here with us. This will, of course, be recorded. So if you ever want to come back and check this out or you want to see a certain panel, it will all be recorded and you can go back. Um, and just to go over our panelists, Astronomy 101, Helena Cochran, Stephen Ramsen of the Charlie Bates Solar Astronomy Project, and Fiona Morris um, will be joining us uh, for the first panel. Then social media, Trevor Jones of Astro Backyard, Kalpana Pot of Griffith Observatory, and Nico Carver of Nebula Photos. That'll be a cool one. Then our optics panel, Mike Lockwood and Vic Maris, two world-class opticians, taking one from the refractor side of things and the other one from mirrors. And then finally, our imaging panel with Ron Brecher, Richard Wright, and Bob Moore. So we are going to be busy. And then you can come hang out with us 
at the virtual star party at 8 p.m. Uh, that night. Finally, this is next Friday, April 8th. Now, I don't have a, I don't have it in front of me right now. I should have put it in there. Last, but certainly not least, April 15th is our 100th episode of doing the virtual star, or I'm sorry, April 15th is going to be the 100th episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. And we can't thank you enough for all of you who have hung out with us over the last couple of years and have allowed us to keep this going and, you know, allowing us to grow this into what it is. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. And for our 100th episode, we have a big product announcement, like a real product announcement that I think a lot of you are really going to like. Um, everyone's asking us about, you know, what we're coming out with. You're just going to have to wait. Um, but we will be announcing something very, very cool and something that I think a lot of you are going to get a big, big kick out of. Um, that is April 15th for the 100th episode of the What's Up webcast. Um, so thank you guys very much for hanging out with us. Uh, so yeah, two big, big things going on the next couple weeks. Next week is the What's Up Webcast-a-thon Extreme um, for April 8th. And of course, April 15th is our 100th episode. We're announcing something awesome. So we hope to see you there. Um, I know we've got a lot more coming down the pipe, but uh, the next two weeks are just going to keep us really, really busy. So um we do appreciate you guys hanging out, but that's pretty much it for this week. If you guys have questions, now would be the time to throw it out there. Uh, let's see. First question. Uh, what is the next development in filter tech? One nanometer? Um, I'm not really well versed in how filters are manufactured. I know three nanometer. I've got some right here. Um, you know, three nanometer filters are really the narrowest you can get from an amateur perspective. Uh, there's some right there. Uh, my narrow band three nanometer sets. Um, you could go narrower, but they come exceedingly more expensive and difficult. So um, I do know some people, professionals that have 1.5 nanometer hydrogen alpha filters they are specifically designed for a certain project i think those filters are also four inches wide and from what i understand they're in a locked case and they're massively expensive so um maybe one day if you want to know more about real narrow band filters i would probably talk to a filter company because i i don't have enough to back it so so anyway but yeah, so glad you guys enjoyed hanging out with us. Um, now there's an Esprit 200. No, it was an April Fool's joke. Sorry. Um, it'd be really cool if we had an Esprit 180 or an Esprit one or Esprit 200. That would be awesome. But no, not right now. Biggest Esprit we've got is a 150. So sorry, it's just an April Fool's joke. Um, but. Other than that, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to finish this up a little bit early, but join us the next two weeks. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We appreciate you hanging out with us, and please have a great um, upcoming new moon weekend. Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, reflector versus Refractor. When are we going to redo that episode? Uh, we're working on that. Uh, probably this summer we'll, we'll rope back around on that. 
Um, affordable adaptive optics. That one would be interesting. I'll have to look into that one. Thanks for the ideas. But yeah, we'll take a look at maybe do an episode on that. Anyway, that's it for the week. Please have a great weekend. It's new moon weekend. Get out, do some observing, even if it's in your backyard. Go image something, you know, just do something that's good for you. Um, so thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day. And uh, we will see you guys next week for the What's Up Webcastathon Webcast Extreme. I screwed that one up. But anyway, join us next week. It's going to be awesome. Take care. Ha clear skies and have a great weekend. See you, everyone. Bye.